hello there. Welcome to Biblical Chili. This is my place. Why don't you follow me and I'll find a place for you to take that load off. The boys are just about to start. If you've been here before, welcome back. But if this is your first time, let me fill you in on a few details. You see, we speak openly about the Bible and our daily walk with Christ. And it's our continuing prayer that everyone that walks through those doors grows a little closer to Jesus every day. And I tell you what, you came at a great time too. The boys are walking through the entire Bible from cover to cover, one story at a time. Speaking of stories, we'd love to hear yours. So why don't you tell us all about it in that box below called comments. And after this is all over, if you like what you heard, on the way out, there's a button called subscribe. It's red and it's got a little bell next to it. Oh, and tell your friends. Oh, 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 here we go. Here's a nice seat right up front for you. Now you sit down and get comfortable. I'd like to sit here and talk to you and get to know you better, but that was the door. I got to go. Those boys had better get the lead out and get going. This crowd seems restless. I'm coming, I'm coming. Order up. And welcome back to Biblical Chili. Guys, it's been nice to have five of us around the table today. Yes. Yeah. Loving it. This is so awesome. Um, we're going to get booted off with prayer right, right out of the gate. That way you can get right into this. Um, dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for the ability to come here and, 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 and learn all the messages you have for us together. The ability to talk to those that um, are interested in hearing and, and are eager to learn more. Lord, I pray that the words that we speak tonight and the, the message that we're, that we're trying to uh, convey through this isn't lost in translation and that we speak clearly so people understand. Lord, I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. Genesis, we're going to hit up Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2. And I'll give a, a very brief recap. Chapter 1 basically just goes through the six days of creation. And then chapter 2 is a recap of the six days of creation. And then, you know, it talks more in detail about what happened in the garden. Uh, and then obviously the, the seventh day where God rested. Uh, on both accounts. So this is literally just a, I mean, uh, oh man, just a, a few verses that just talks about how God did it. Now, as far as the mechanics behind that, well, quite frankly, it's a miracle. So we're not really going to get into too much of those mechanics. But uh, when it comes to Genesis, when it comes to Genesis, it, what has hit you guys What has hit you guys the hardest when it comes to those first two chapters and the six days and then God rested on that seventh day? What do you mean by like hit us? You mean like, like what, what sticks out the most? What what resonates with you the most? What there there's questions that I have, you know. Um I get tied in my head because I know that uh, through some of the prophecies where it equates one day into like a thousand years because his time is different than our time and this is inspired by god are the days literal 24 hours or are they a span of a generation for each day okay is it literal in Ooh, this like one and question. not so literal in the, Ooh, the future think, one? i just i've yeah, ran across I, that question a lot with a lot of different people 
And mm -hmm. I'm actually interested to see what the <laughs> yeah, yeah. opinions are. I just table, wrote that down. I love that question. <clears throat> All right. Well, okay. So we're we're taking this like full blast. This is good. Okay. So as far as the the days in Genesis, the the interesting thing, and this is the easiest way to put this through. When we go through Genesis, we find something a pattern that happens in in, in chapter one, and it says several times. It says. Uh, let me see. Okay. So God, so this is just, this is uh, Genesis chapter one, uh, verse four, five, the end of verse five, it says, so the evening and the morning were the first day. The interesting thing about that is he says, okay, evening, morning, number day. Then we go down to another verse and it says, so the evening and the morning were the second day. Okay, wait, hold on. We have another pattern here. Evening, morning, number day. The next day, evening, morning, number day, evening, morning, number day. Now, when we look through these, the day, when, when it's talking about this, it literally means a 24-hour period. So it's very difficult. And I know and I, I know that the first two chapters in the entire book of the Bible is under huge scrutiny because of that, because people want, you know, they, we want to tailor the Bible according to what we think the world is like instead of going to the Bible to understand what the world is like, or in many cases, what the world should be like. And so what we see here is, is an evening, morning, number, day. And it's very clear. Even when you go back all the way back to the Hebrew, it is a number. It is the evening. It is the morning. And is it, it is a day, a 24-hour span of time. So it's very difficult to, I guess, put it in, in many terms, or any, any other terms as far as ages. I've heard ages. I've heard thousands of years and like uh, the the verses that you reference it's actually mentioned twice in scripture a day is is, is the lord is a thousand years a thousand years is day that just means that time doesn't mean anything god that's all it means like if you take a, a thousand years and means a day and a day means a thousand years well that cancels that right out to zero doesn't it so it means time doesn't mean anything to god right so but that's a that's a great question to start I love this that off question that's, that's yeah yeah, I'm with you i love it no that's exactly my thought process as well i've gone through that whole genre I believe in the same concept, but I've heard some Christian communities try to take the thousand years and say, well, that's where evolution comes into play. And that's where we evolved in this time frame. And there was, you know, thousands of years, might not have been million, but it was thousands of years per, and we evolved and the earth evolved. And, and I believe that's another one of the devil's tricks Sure. to Absolutely. get uh to get his you know avenues in there for doubt and and to try to fit the world's thoughts in how god actually just said real simple evening morning first day evening yeah. morning first day and, you know and he just went right through it and he made it simple well this the saddest thing about evolution and i think many people many of us we we've really got to dive deep into this if god used evolution then we have several things here. Several things. Number one, that means that God makes mistakes and he's got to fix them. That literally, that's because that's what evolution is. And, evo that, and that also means that God approves of death, that death is a friend to God, that death is something that God uses to make us better. But I'm sorry, but Corinthian, in the book of Corinthians, it says that death is an enemy. It actually says the last enemy to be destroyed is death. And that's, that's interesting because... That, that tells us a, a very good niche about who God is. God does not want death. Death was never part of his plan. It was something that he had to institute later because, well, 
let's face it, Tom, if, if you and I were living forever and we could just mess up and never die. I mean, <laughs> the, forever. We have, let me put it this way. We would have never made it to the flood. <laughs> there was a phrase there. What, what were you going to say? Well, I have a question on that. So if there's not to disregard that, but mother nature, what does it say that in Genesis or anything like that? Is, uh, is mother nature in Genesis? Is that what you're asking? Yeah, because if you think about it, okay, you have the different variables of like bugs that start to come around mm-hmm. and they evolve. And we have scientists that prove this and everything else. When you say evolve, do you mean that they change form? They change in the matter of their climate to suit them. Yes. Yeah, so the, the Gaia Mother Nature concept yeah, is, to me, I, I look at it as them trying to to rationalize the earth as an actual being. Okay. But God created it, okay? And so we're thinking in, in the Bible, it talks about him being the father. Okay, well, then who's the mother? Where did we come from? What were we formed out of? So that's a good question. So what were we formed out of? Well, well we came, the, the, the cool thing about that is, ah, I love this. Okay, so we earlier we were talking about the genealogies, right? If you go through the genealogies, there is one genealogy all the way in Matthew. I think it was Matthew. He goes all the way back. He goes, and he goes, Adam, the son of God. Right. Because he came literally from God. God gave him life right, right. there. And so you here's, know? here's my point. And this is where a lot of people get this concept. What did God form Adam out of? Adam out of? Yes. An atom. The dust of yeah. the earth. Out of an atom. Uh, he formed him out of the dust of the earth. So when people talk about Mother Earth, that whole reference, I, I believe when I research that, they look at it as we were formed from the dust. Therefore, the, the earth is our mother and God is our father. And that's when I've done my research on that concept. That's where it comes from. Um, does it have bearing in the Bible? No. It doesn't speak of Mother Earth. It doesn't talk about a mother or it doesn't talk about a being of that form. There is God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. That's that's God. There is no Mother Earth. There is no other being out there. What he did was he created Earth and he put order to it. And he said, now do what I just designed you to do. I, I like where, you, where you're going with that. I don't, I don't mean to interrupt, but. There was one thing that I, I found fascinating. If you guys read the story, the event of chapter one to chapter two, I want, there's another pattern I pulled out is that you find that when you go through these days, you find God actually creates a canvas and then he puts something on that canvas. Yes. So he creates the waters and then he puts something in the waters on one day. He, he creates the heavens. Right? He splits them up into waters. And, and he puts something in the heavens called birds. He creates the dry land and he puts something on the dry land. And he creates, it's just, it's beautiful. And then finally you get to uh, all the way to day six. Everything's already created. There is no more canvases. It's done. Right. But he needs a masterpiece. He needs his signature. Yes. 
every artist needs to put a signature on it. And he had two, if you will, first name and a last name. First name was Adam. His last name, uh, the last name was Eve. God put his signature <laughs> on Adam when he did that. And the interesting thing I find out when you look at the another pattern, triple pattern. Sorry, did you know? God goes. God goes into. God goes into this and he, he speaks everything into existence except Adam. He actually gets down in the dirt and the mud and he does something with it. He actually creates something out of it and then breathes the life into it. And then Eve, he does something very interesting. He, he takes something out of Adam and then forms Eve out of it. So there, God's hands are physically involved in our creation, but the rest of creation, he just spoke Correct. into existence. I love it. Now, I have a question about that because... About it, the speaking? No, about the speaking and also the creating because it says in chapter 2 mm-hmm. how there was no trees growing yet when Adam was formed. No, no shrub had yet appeared on the earth. No plant had yet sprung up. For he had not sent rain on the earth. For there's no one to work the ground. But streams well, came up. Hold, hold on. He was taught in chapter two is a recap of what happened in the garden. So we, we have to keep that in mind. Like chapter one is God goes through day one through six. Okay. And then it says that, you know, just earlier it says, and then God in the eastward in Eden put Adam in the garden of Eden. Chapter two t- is what has taken place in the in the garden. So when everything we read in there, we have to keep in context, which is the garden itself. And it, here in the in, in chapter two, then it talks about how he remakes or he makes everything from the ground of the earth there for Adam to name. Right. Yeah. So he made more after Adam was 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 made. Mm-hmm. So. You know, I had in my head when I was reading through this, like the whole Sandman from Guardians, The Rise of the Guardians. Oh, no. I was like, poof, here's a, what is that? What is that? Oh, it's a giraffe. Like, was he? <laughs> 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 and, and he's like, you're going to be around these. You're going to be naming them. So, like, um, out of nothing, out of the, the, the dust of the ground, he just started making them companions. Like, you know, man's best friend wasn't good enough, so he had to, to, to make woman because none of them was a suitable companion for him. Now I've I've also read questions and they're like, well, how can this be accurate if all of our ribs are still symmetrical? <laughs> that men should have one less rib than than women. Now I know you can explain that away with you know he he affected Adam, not Adam's bloodline. <laughs> well, actually, there, there's a different scientific answer for that one. So you answered this your question. This one's actually pretty easy. I actually understand this one. He made them in our his image, so it still doesn't matter because it's his defect, not everybody else's defect. So it's still going to be in his image. So it's not every single time you recreate that image, it's going to actually be the same way it originally started. Just like think about it as somebody losing a finger, your kid's not gonna have one finger, one no, one right. one missing finger. Did you know? This is a big one. All I was gonna say is you should see the smile on Justin's face. This is <laughs> this is his ball game. He loves this. Go okay, go kid. Okay. Did you know that the only bone in the human body that will grow back is the bottom most rib 
not just in men, but in women also. As long as the palastia is left on the outside of the bone, it will grow back. When you get bone marrow tests and so forth, a lot of times they'll take it out of people's legs, they'll take it out of here, but when you have to replace bone marrow, they can take it from one spot that will grow back after a few weeks. One, one set of bones, it's your lower, it, your rib, which is, you know, your, your vertebrae with the ribs connected to it. So it's, it's technically that whole bone. It's one bone. But as long as you leave that palastia on there, God, God knew what he was doing. Mm -hmm. God that knew awesome. what he was doing. I love that, it. That's funny because the ribs, uh, the lower part of the ribs would actually be connected to the, are near the liver. And the liver is actually the only organ that's able to grow back itself too. That's awesome. I never, I never knew that one. Yeah. So, that's, hey, that's cool. So we do have regenerative properties. We do yeah. in some ways. Yeah. Hey, Tom, I did want to help you out a little bit on your original question, too. You were asking about the plants and stuff in uh -huh. verse uh, five. Okay. Two, two, five. In two, five. Two he was five? asking. And I understand where you were coming from about, you know, that's good to know. But this is where I enjoy punctuation. And this is why I enjoy punctuation in the King James Bible. Because if you look at verse four and you read it at the end of verse four, it has a comma, which means it's a continuing on of what he's saying. So the actual start of that, you need to read in context, verse four and five. And if you read those together, it'll make a lot more sense. <laughs> So like you were talking about, uh, Sully was talking about adaptation and I, I think it would be great if we went down, I'm just going to go down this real quick, the, this rabbit trail. Evolution actually has six different meanings. The definition of evolution actually has seven or I'm sorry, six different kinds of evolution. You have to have, um, in order for evolution to work, you have to have stellar evolution, planetary evolution, chemical evolution. The fourth one is organic evolution. So from chemicals, you have to have life appear from out of chemicals. Uh, no, the fifth one is macro evolution. All that that means is evolution on a large scale, a, a cat turning to a dog, you know, that kind of thing. And then the sixth one is micro evolution. Now, here's the thing, and, and I, I really appreciate that Sully brought this up because the only one that we are able to observe naturally anywhere, the only one is the sixth one. Out of all five types over here that have to happen before the sixth one even happens, microevolution is just a slight variation within a kind. So, like for example, my children do not look identical to me. You were just you just brought this up, Sully. That that you know, there's there's this difference when it comes to our offspring. Same with animals, but that's the only one that we observe. If you want to tackle anything, anything else in evolution, we have to have the beginning of the story, which is like stellar and chemical evolution. How did all that evolve first before we ever get down to this micro and macro evolution? Just something to, something to chew on, I guess, if somebody, somebody's interested in that. Yeah, but that also goes down to genetics and all that other stuff. Like that's right. body DNA and different traits that are actually um, more dominant than others. Because darker hairs are actually dominant than light hairs. Lighter eyes are actually dominant. I mean, less dominant to everything else. But you can actually still have the rare, rare things that go on. Two different color eyes. Or even a white person and a white person having an African-American kid. It's possible. It is. It's it is. Happen. 
What is? That's just a color pigmentation. The funny thing is that I always think is cool. I love what you went to genetics because this is again, this is in in these two chapters. It talks a lot about creation. People get confused on all these topics because these scientists come out and talk about all this stuff, and they're like, "Well, who do we believe?" Right. Genetics. Adam had everyone's genetics in him. So did Eve. And so did Eve. So if you want to find out where, if you think of the concept of how those genes were made up, like that was such a major complex genetic code. It was unbelievable. You know, the, the complexity It's just like a dog. Okay. The original dogs had all the genetic code to make up all the variations that we have nowadays. Long hair, short hair, brown hair, blonde all, hair, you know, white hair. No hair. No hair. <laughs> all, those, all those variations, all those different, different, it was still a dog. All these things we have nowadays, they're all, they're all dogs. You look at some of the ones that we have nowadays, I mean, labradoodles and all this other stuff, okay? You, you think about that. Now, what, if, what they've done is combined these different, Okay, and we oh wow, look at all these different now. How did all that stuff fit on the ark? It didn't, didn't have to. There was all <laughs> there was now that's now don't go too far into the ark because we're not, we're not there yet. That's like chapter seven. You know, you know, he keeps racing. Ah, the tower, the tower. Take me to the tower. I didn't go there. I, I think the genetic code is a big thing that scientists really confuse people about. And I think we need to just keep it simple like God did. He made things so complex, but yet so simple. I'm glad you brought that up because I know that there's nothing in this book that's by accident. Correct. Everything that's in here has a, a, a reason, a method, a meaning behind it. And with that being said, there's the, the passage where it goes into great detail of the waters that are coming up, and they give them specific names. They, they talk about where they're flowing, the directions. Do you guys know what the meanings are? Like the, the, of the rivers? Yeah, the Euphrates, the, the Hittical, and Havila, where there's gold. There's... Uh, <laughs> Bedlam and Onyx Stone. The second river is Gihon. Then there's um, that, that goes through Ethiopia. And the name of the third river is Hittical, and that is what goes to the east of Assyria. And the fourth river is Euphrates. Was this put in there for like geographical, like so they can like track it back to say, well, this is exactly like where Eden was. I mean, I think it's interesting, you know, everything has a name. Where did the names come from? Who named them? You know, who named the river nowadays, you know, Euphrates, who named it? When did they name it? You know, they, they could have been reading that in the, in the book of Genesis and saying, you know, that makes a good name. <laughs> well, Moses, I mean, Moses wrote the book, so maybe he was looking back and saying it was about this location with the Garden of Eden. That's like the, that's the big argument was Moses put this together. Well, it's kind of hard to say. Like some people say he wrote it, some people say he edited it because they said that maybe they have ar- you know archaeological evidence that it was there before, like written down stories. But either way, he was the one that put it together. So maybe he was, and that that's the evidence for it. 
maybe he was just pointing out the in the Middle East and that kind of stuff. Well, like Mike said earlier, is the fact that it could be just to be a cultural difference because we could have lost it in translation or the possibility of the fact that it was just mistold because that's still that one little uh, test where you tell oh, somebody telephone one thing, thing yeah. and then you see how, what happens about time you get back to the room, uh, end of the room. And it's just like, hey, well, this person did this. Well, now you just robbed a bank, took over the world, and did this. You know <laughs> right. what I mean? Even though you went to the coffee shop and got a coffee, that's how it starts. And now you, like, robbed a bank. It's a telephone game. Yeah. What I find really um, intriguing about these two chapters is that it, it explains what life was like when it was perfect. Right. This is before anything happened. Mm-hmm. And this right. is also referenced back in revelation as for something to look forward to again is for this kind of paradise to, to be resurfacing. I got a, I got a funny question, please. And this, so this, is this where you get your diet from? What? The garden. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I got okay. an even better one. It's the garden for eating. Garden for eating. Uh, I'm just here to laugh. You know, just here to well, laugh. He's, Tom, you referenced you referenced uh, you know the the end where they were talk about a lamb laying with a lion and the meat and eating of meat is different. Okay, and and in the garden, I don't believe they ate meat in the garden. I believe they ate the fruits and the the stuff of the garden that God provided because God provided everything for them, and there was not death like we have now until after the curse. So because. Obviously, it didn't last very long, uh, but, but well, I, I, we don't we don't actually know. We don't actually know. Like a lot of people, we read this when when the fall. I mean, we're getting to the fall later, but you read that when the fall and it sounds like, you know, it was like the next day the serpent showed up. But it actually, when you look at how old it could have been, like 100 years, we don't know. It could have went quite a while. Yeah, right. You know, but but the point point being there with with that concept is. I mean, I don't. I mean, it's it's a question. Okay, you know, okay. it's that you know. So, yes. Okay. So for those of you who don't know, I am a vegetarian. Uh, and the bottom line is, is I honestly thought, okay, well, you know, because I started reading Genesis, and obviously, we love the book. You know, Amen. the way that the world was, and like you just brought this up, the way the world was is in Genesis, the first two chapters. The way the world will be is the last two chapters in Revelation. So it's like two bookends holding the book together. So. The creation and the recreation is usually what's called. So I started reading it and I started studying it out and I'm like, okay, so hold on. So if I'm going to be spending eternity as like some kind of fruititarian, <laughs> which by the way, Adam and Eve were actually fruititarian. They were not vegetarians or vegans. They were actually fruititarians. That means you eat a raw fruit diet. And the difference between a fruit and a vegetable Paleo. is anybody got seeds. This? Uh, you're close. What? You're close. No, there's different there's, there's, seeds. There's a little bit more of a detail that needs to be oh, there. You're very close. No, what? They because changed can, it again on me? Get, no, you can get carrot seeds, but a carrot is not a fruit. If a fruit falls off a tree, it'll grow because the seeds are inside oh, of it. Yeah, because right, okay. they can regrow so, themselves. So basically, the easiest way I, I, I know it, a vegetable is the plant. You are killing the plant. When you eat the vegetable, you are killing the plant. Like a potato, you're eating the root. You're eating the root, which is a carrot. When you go to fruit, on the other hand, like, for example, many people don't know what a tomato is. Fruit. It is a fruit because you can pick it and it doesn't hurt the plant at all. 
Same with cucumber. It's always under vegetable. It's not a vegetable. It is a fruit. So anyway, so Adam and Eve were fruititarians, and that's why I thought, okay, so you know what? I'm going to spend eternity being a fruititarian or some kind of variation thereof. So I said, okay, God, I need the strength to become a vegetarian then because I would rather get used to it now <laughs> rather than taking a thousand years to get used to it in the kingdom. So, so I got a question. So what do you do with that? I'm going to jump here on a, on a long one here. So what, oh, do you, no. what do you do with that statement when, it, when they have the, the marriage supper of the lamb? Are we just going to be eating fruit or will yeah. we have fish? No. <laughs> or will we eat it all? Because Jesus went for a long while without eating because he was being sustained by God as he, he didn't need the food at the end. I just think, you know, I love those conversations. So, no, it's, you know, it's interesting. It's, it's a fun. <laughs> well, no, I don't know, but I, I don't think we'll be fully sustained. I know this is off the creation count, but this is a recreation, but. I don't think we'll fully be, be sustained because in the last two chapters of Revelation, it talks about the tree of life. And yep. it talks about how we will continually eat from it to rejuvenate our bodies. So the tree of life is coming back. Well, he's got it. Yeah. Like God, I, I don't know, maybe he took it before the flood. I don't yeah. know. But it's our tree. It's for mm -hmm. our planet. Sorry. I would like to we're, see we're a, a little off topic, but. Yeah, I'd like to see a pizza tree too. A pizza it. tree. Yeah. It does say that it has 12 different fruits. So if <laughs> fruit in heaven, if fruit. If pizza is classified as a fruit, it. then yes. I, I would have... really love to see an actual pig on top of the actual tree. Because it just makes a lot of people mad. Pork? What is Look, wrong with you? It's always about bacon. Why is it always about bacon? Bacon is amazing. It's amazing. We're having you that can tomorrow. Make it, you can, anything you can make better Tom, with bacon. Oh What's your next question? <laughs> <laughs> By the way, Tom, I feel the fact that this is not perfect. I'm, it's perfect with you, Tom. Okay, thank Tom. You, you. You're welcome. Well, we've we've covered a lot though in in the creation account. I mean, not not absolutely everything, but I mean, there there's a ton here. Mm -hmm. And like, can I give you guys a, a statistic? In colleges today, secular colleges today, seventy five percent of the Christians that go to secular colleges today, seventy five percent, and it's on the rise. It's pushing eighty percent or ninety percent lose their faith within the first two years of college. Yeah, secular college even and even believe it or not the christian many of the christian universities today it's like at 50 quote unquote, per, yeah. yeah quote unquote because and honestly when and i've seen uh oh, what is it living waters ministry they go to these universities and they talk to kids and they say well what happened why did you all of a sudden lose your faith well they said i learned about evolution and there is no god if if we actually came from slime you follow these these people along and i've i've seen a lot of folks involved in these debates and things like that and when you follow these young people along it all boils back to well a scientist said or i read a book and the scientist said so they're believing a scientist who's a man who over the the bible and so they're literally saying i believe this book over this book but yet this book is fallible and can't prove itself and the Bible can. So there's those two areas that and, and you, you know, you look at them and go, why? And they go, well, because it's a scientist. Okay. Now I see what you're saying because you're attacking the theory, the theories. Okay. Because you keep on saying scientist and then you're putting down scientists. 
but normally science is with law and law is the repeating of the same experiment over and over and getting the same answers that's what threw me off but you're talking about theories correct well evolution is a theory it's never been proven it's never been viewed as an actual thing we can view the how creation is from the bible it says and so and so begat so and so and and here's the thing, even even with theories, and I I don't mean to cut you off, but I don't want to lose yeah, this because do. it's a Keep good going. point. <laughs> <laughs> and when you look at theories or even science, let's just just stick with science in general. Science means to know. Yeah. Now, if you are to know something, several things have to happen. The scientific method, right? Something has to be observable, testable, repeatable, and demonstrable. Okay demonstrable because I need to be able to go to Mike and say, Hey Mike, look at what I've done. And I need, I can show someone else because if I'm the only one that can experience it, it's not science. It has to be observable. Mike has to be able to observe it. I have to be, everybody has to be able to observe it. Testable. In other words, Mike can pull out his measuring stick. He can pull out his ruler. He can pull out his scales and measure whatever this science that we're doing. And it has to be repeatable. That means that it has to be re- repeatable in the sense that it can't be an anomaly. An anomaly is just something that happened once, you recorded it, and then, well, you know, oh, well, this is, it's not science until you can actually repeat that in a laboratory or somewhere else. What I mean is, is all four of those things do not apply to evolution at all. You cannot repeat it, you can't measure it, you can't test it, and you can't observe it. You can't any of those things happening, like with those other examples of evolution that I gave you, we see microevolution happening. I detest the term. I'm quite frankly, I protest it and I don't like it, but we're stuck with it. It happens because there are variations, but that isn't evidence that it leads to macroevolution. And that's what he's talking about. Like, yeah. it's not just we're saying, oh, it's just a theory, it's a theory. No, the fact is, is you can't even put it in the category of science. It is. Uh, quite frankly, I, I, quite frankly, I place it under the category of a religious worldview. Yes. And uh, many times I've had an evolutionist say, well, you believe in miracles. Well, God did it, didn't he? Yeah. And mine is a religion. Why don't you step next to me and just, we'll be brothers in religion together. Right. We'll have a faith system together. You believe one way, I believe the other, but they have to stand on the side of science. And this is going way too far, but they have to stand on the side of science. And I'm not, by the way, I, we, I just give this quick disclaimer. We are not by any means trying to downplay science because quite frankly, I know Tom is involved in um, Relay for Life and we have friends that are involved in Relay for Life like cancer research. That's scientific things they're doing. Real science. All si- yeah, not science. Yeah, science is a wonderful there, there's thing. A big, yeah, there's a big difference between right. science and theory. And the people that are in colleges standing up saying they're scientists, yes, they got a degree in said areas, but they're claiming a theory as reality, as, as right. a, a fact and saying this is true. And that's where, that's where, you know, you got to draw the line, say you can't say that because it's not provable, you know? So that's why I was given that disclaimer. We're not against science at all, because here, here's the thing. Let, let me, let me ask this question for anybody who invented science. Well, God did. God. If God invented science, then who does science belong to? Everyone. It belongs to God. It belongs to God. But, I mean, we as his creation, he gave it to us, technically. So you're, you're both right. Great. 
And I, I agree with that 100%. Here's the thing. If God invented science, then all science has to submit to him because he created it. If I created a watch, okay? Let's say I, I, got, I have a watch here. I'm not this good, but let's say I created this watch. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, I have like a Fitbit on here, okay? Okay, watch. so if I created this watch, <laughs> let's, there's circuits and gears and everything in here. The watch, by definition, because it, it is my creation, it is far below me, but it reflects me. It cannot contradict me because I made it. I cannot create something in here that is an, an anomaly against the natural physical world because I live in the natural physical world. You, do you understand? I cannot create something that is not me, that is not what I exist in. Same with God. God is beyond, and that's the interesting thing about God. God is beyond physical and, and, and mental realm, way beyond our, our comprehension, okay? Right. So he, he, create, he had to create within these parameters called science that he created, like gravity, centrifugal force, many of the laws of physics. So, and that's what I'm trying to say, Sully. Yeah. I, we are not, and this is one thing I think we really got to emphasize, Christians aren't, what well, should not, I should say, because there are many who are, we should never be against science. God created it. And God, God right. created all of this for yes. Adam and Eve to discover exactly. and their children to discover. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. So if, if we're going to die, if we're going to push this to the next level, what can we give anybody listening to this? Because we, we've got, kind of gone on for a little bit. What can we give as a someone who's looking for, for more information? Because obviously we can go on, on for this for hours, guys. Uh what could what kind of information do you guys could you guys give? I know I have uh, several websites that I could reference, but what about right. you guys? Same What's, here. I mean, I'm, I've got a lot of with the Creation Museum and a lot of the stuff Museum. that they do. Yeah. Answers um, in Genesis. An Answers, Answers in Genesis, Genesis. That's is a, a really one. good one. I love a lot of their material. That I mean, that's just good information. Again, those are scientists yeah. that believe science and teach science the way it should be. ICR is a wonderful one. Institute for Creation Research. Yep. And they're they're actually Sully, they are spectacular because they have everything from uh geneticists on hand that actually dive into the genetic makeup and are actually mapping out genetic makeup uh and like from a creationist perspective, not from an evolutionary perspective and they're starting to find out that genetics actually prove a designer. It's very interesting. Uh, there's another one, uh, although he's a little bit rude, crude, and unnecessarily crass. Uh, his name is Kent Hovind. Anybody can look him up. Um, uh, also, Ken Ham. I believe he's with, he's with Answers in Genesis. Answers in Genesis. Yep. Thank you. Um, you got to get past his Australian accent when he says... <laughs> Embrace it. Don't... <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I love how he says Isaiah. By the way, in the English, that is Isaiah. When he says, go to Isaiah 58, 3. It's just so awesome. So I'm just saying, guys, when it, when it comes to the creation account, we're talking about just the first two chapters of Genesis here. When it comes to the creation account, do not stand on one side or the other. You have to look at the whole perspective on all of it and study the creation account out to actually understand it. It's a, it is a big thing. It is nothing that, like, I know Kent Hoven, his series is something like, three hours a seminar and he has seven seminars so it is a lot of material to go through well, so you i gotta mean, think about it i mean it's, it's creation it's, it's a whole creation I account, mean, right it's so like, whoa right you know, does anybody have any final comments no this uh 
stay tuned for next week. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> please do. We, yeah, uh, we'll awesome. finish this up a uh, biblical chili method. Uh, Wayne, you want to lead us out of here in prayer, sir? Sure. Sure. Dear God, thank you for this opportunity to be here and to, to discuss in the beginning. Thank you, God, for that beginning. Thank you for the proof uh, that we all need. Be with our listeners, Lord. Be with us. We love you. And just help us to wade through this and, and be an example to others. And hopefully plant a seed for someone to, to look into this. Um, thank you, God, again. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thanks so much for joining us, everybody. This has been Tom. This has been Sully. This has been Mike. This is Justin. And Wayne. Look forward to seeing you guys or having you hear us again next week. <laughs> we got to get used to uh, not seeing in our, Anybody, all of our right? podcasts. Right. <laughs> all right. Um, we love you guys. And we'll talk to you next week. Well, hello, everyone. Now that this is all over, I hope you had a great time. Now, listen, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. I'm closing up. And the boys gave me this note to let you know you can get a hold of them on something called Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Podcast. Podcast? What are they, fishing for whales? Listen, folks, just look up Biblical Chili anywhere. I'm sure you'll be able to find them out there. And until, Lord willing, we'll see you again. May the Lord bless you. Goodbye. You think they're still listening? I doubt it. There can't be that many people that listened all the way to the end of the track. Most will probably skip it. But in case you did, congratulations. You're one of the few. We love you.